Waiting for one minute can seem like a lifetime. It certainly seemed long up here for me. Perhaps you were wondering, is he ever going to preach? <laughs> Maybe some of you already went on to lunch. <laughs> I don't know. Being patient and waiting is a hard thing to do. I don't know of anyone who really enjoys waiting, especially waiting to go to the grocery store or going to the doctor's office. Oh, what fun, right? <laughs> That's what really tests my patience. They tell you, by the way, to come in a half an hour early to check in. Then they have you sit in the waiting room. The waiting room at the doctor's office is for patients, and it requires a lot of patience, pun intended. Then you wait to hear your name called, to go into another room, to have you weighed in on their scale. Oh, what fun. Then they take you to one of their small examination rooms where they take your blood pressure after waiting, and you wait again until the doctor comes to see you. And then you leave, you have to wait in line to pay the bill. But worse yet, perhaps, perhaps after going to the doctor, you wait for a diagnosis or a prognosis. Waiting is hard. Waiting requires a lot of patience and so as we continue in our series in the book of James, we will be looking at what God says about patience. I would ask you, please open up your Bibles or one of the church Bibles to the book of James. James chapter 5, as we continue in our series in the book of James together. James chapter 5, starting at verse 7. This is found on page 1,210 in the church Bibles. It's also behind me on the wall. I'd ask you, please follow along as I will be reading James chapter 5, again, verses 7 through 11. This is God's holy, infallible, life-giving, and life-transforming word. Therefore, be patient, brethren, until the coming of the Lord. The farmer waits for the precious produce of the soil, being patient about it until it gets the early and late rains. You too be patient, Strengthen your hearts, for the coming of the Lord is near. Do not complain, brethren, against one another, so that you yourselves may not be judged. Behold, the judge is standing right at the door. As an example, brethren, of, of suffering and patience, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. We count those blessed who endured. You have heard of the endurance of Job and have seen the outcome of the Lord's dealings, that the Lord is full of compassion and is merciful. May the Lord bless the reading and hearing of his holy word. Would you please pray with me? Oh, Father God, we come before you and we thank you for giving us this day, for setting aside this day that we may worship you as brothers and sisters in Christ. We thank you for your Holy Spirit in our lives. We thank you for the word of God that you have given to us. And we ask, Lord, that you'd help us to listen to your word this morning, to respond to it in a way that we are obedient and that you are transforming our lives into the image of Christ. 
in whose name that we pray, in Jesus' name, amen. You know, the world typically has a different view about patience. There is a Samsung phone commercial which actually talks about patience. I remember the first time I, I watched it, I was like, what in the world is that? It begins by stating how bad patience really is. They say, we know you hate waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting. Waiting drives us up the wall. Waiting misses the flight. Waiting doesn't ask for the pay raise. Waiting never gets around to it. Waiting never gets to the front of the line. Waiting never finishes first. And then they go, then there's impatience. And they applaud impatience. Impatience got us faster cars. It got us microwaves, remote controls, and jets. Impatience wants more and more and more, faster and faster. Why wait until Friday night? What's wrong with Tuesday morning? If the movie is boring, leave. If the meeting is dull, walk out. Impatience is in front. It's at the top. It's first. Read the last page of the book first. Watch the last 15 minutes of the movie first. Samsung declares that impatience is a virtue, faster and brighter and better. And in this advertisement, they're wanting you to be impatient and to go out and buy their Samsung phone now. Don't leave. Nobody. It's, not, it's an old commercial. I don't even know if they make that anymore. The world hates patience and aggressively promotes impatience. This is the exact opposite of what God's Word tells us. As we look at God's Word this morning in our passage in James, James begins this in verse 7 with a command. He says, be patient until the coming of the Lord. Be patient until the coming of the Lord. In our, in our study of James, we have seen that that God had him write this letter to his fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. He is writing this letter to believers who had been dispersed because of persecution and suffering and many trials. And he is now telling his brothers and sisters in Christ to be patient. To be patient until the coming of the Lord. When we think about this difficult command of being patient one may wonder how we can be patient at all. And the answer is that we cannot be patient without the power of the Holy Spirit in the lives of believers. For the world, patience may be seen at best as a virtue. That's all they think of it. It's just a moralistic thing. But as a child of God, patience is a fruit of the Spirit, like I was telling the children that fruit is in our lives that God gives us. When we believe, putting our faith and trust in Christ alone as our Lord and Savior, we receive the Holy Spirit and God gives us the fruit of the Spirit as evidence of being a child of God. We read about this fruit of the Spirit in Galatians chapter 5, verse 22 and following. It says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. We're looking at the fruit of patience this morning. By God giving us the Holy Spirit, we are then given the ability to live out the fruit of the Spirit in our lives. This includes this command of being patient. Being patient in our passage comes from 
a Greek word meaning long-tempered as opposed to being short-tempered. When we're impatient, we're short-tempered, aren't we? we? We get angry. So being patient means to defer being angry. When we get impatient, we typically get short-tempered or, or we get angry quickly. So, so being patient means to be long-tempered or long-suffering. And we as Christians are given the ability to be patient because the fruit of that Spirit is in our lives. It requires that we not depend upon our own strength and our own ability to be patient. I'm just going to be patient right now, right now! No, that doesn't even make any sense, right? It requires that we learn to live by the Spirit and keep in step with the Spirit. So brothers and sisters, we can be patient because it is a fruit of the Spirit in the lives of believers. James continues his command by telling us just how long we need to be patient. And he tells us that we need to be patient until the coming of the Lord. This is actually meant to be a source of encouragement for us. Some of us go, well, I'm going to be patient until the coming of the Lord? When's that going to be? But we can be patient because the Lord's return is certain. That's a blessing to know that the Lord's return is certain. And we can know that. One, one commentator states there are these three main Greek words used in the Bible to describe the second coming of Christ. The one that is used here in our passage is parousia, refers to the arrival of an emperor or a king. Who's coming? The king of kings. It speaks of the authority and power arriving. It's, it's God coming. Perhaps the best English translation might be the word arrival. The church's great hope is the arrival of Jesus Christ as our Lord and King. And when he comes, he will come to bless his people with his presence. And this glorious truth of, of the coming of Christ is seen more than 500 different verses throughout the Bible. Jesus himself speaks of his certain return in the Gospel of John, chapter 14, verses 1 through 3. He says, Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again, and I will take you to myself, that you may be where I am also. Jesus promises that he is coming back. And he says in Matthew chapter 24, verse 27, speaking of himself, for as lightning comes from the east and shines as far as the west, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. Apostle Paul also uses the same word, parousia, that James and Jesus uses. He speaks in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 23, saying, Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely, and may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. John also uses the same word, parousia, in 1 John chapter 2, verse 28, saying, And now, little children... Abide in him so that when he appears, we may have confidence and not shrink back at, in shame at the day of his coming. We can be patient 
because we know that the Lord's return is certain. We can also be patient because the Lord's return is imminent. In verse 8 of our passage this morning, if you look at verse 8 of our passage in James chapter 5, he says, be patient because the coming of the Lord is near. The Lord's return is imminent. The, the words of Jesus found in Revelation chapter 3, verse 11, he says, I am coming soon. And then toward the end of Revelation, Revelation 22, verse 12, Jesus said, yes, I am coming soon. In the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 24, verse 42, Jesus said, therefore, be on alert, for you do not know which day your Lord is coming. For this reason, you must be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour that you do not think he will. We can be patient because we can know that the Lord is coming and that he says that he is coming soon. You know, coming soon may not always mean coming soon to me or to God. It's different, right? What is coming soon? I, mom used to tell me, come to dinner. I'm coming. I would delay my mom, right? Well, I've been driving by a sign in uh, Clifton Heights for over two years now. There's a grocery store that's coming in where the old Kmart used to be. It's a Lidl, Lidl grocery store. Lidl grocery store coming soon. I keep coming every month. Nothing. <laughs> I finally, finally speak to someone who says they're coming in June. Well, we'll see if June, this June or next June. But coming soon. Two years is nothing, brothers and sisters. Jesus told us nearly 2,000 years ago that he is coming soon. Some may say that God is slow in keeping his promise. But God's word says in 2 Peter verse, chapter 3, verse 9, the Lord is not slow to fulfill his promises. Some count slowness. But God is patient toward us, not wishing that you should perish, but that all should reach repentance. It is good that God is patient. It is good that God has not come back yet. We can be patient because we have a God who is perfectly patient, waiting until all of his children repent and put their faith and trust in him. Jesus continues and gives us a very real and practical illustration of patience to his hearers. He speaks of the patience of the farmer, as opposed to me right there. <laughs> and planting that little strawberry plant. He says, we are called to be patient like the farmer. Farmer, We should be patient like the farmer who, who spends most of the year just waiting and waiting and waiting, not just a minute or 10 minutes or a long time, months and months. Our passage says that the farmer waits for that precious produce of the soil, being patient about it until it gets those early and late rains. The farmer shows how important it is to be patient with these things that are out of his control. The farmer cannot control the weather. He, he is patient with the things that he cannot control. He cannot control the rain. He cannot control the sun. The farmer shows great faith and patience in God, knowing that God, the Lord, is the one who provides rains. The farmer shows his patience in knowing that it is the Lord 
who provides, and he provides the rains and everything else. As James was writing to his highly agricultural society, they would have understood that they needed those early rains and late rains. The early rains were needed to make sure that the ground would be able to be properly uh, tilled and be able to plant those seeds, right? And it was those late rains that helped those plants to grow and then yield its fruit. And the farmer shows his patience by trusting in the Lord to provide that precious produce. Well, just as the farmer needs to have patience in waiting for his produce from the soil, we need to have great patience for the coming of the Lord. We need to be patient with all that life is going on around us out of our control. We need to trust God that he is sovereign and is in complete control. He is is not only in control of the rains and the sun, he is sovereign and in control over everything going on around us in the world. He is sovereign over our economy and our personal finances. He's sovereign over our life and over our health. He is sovereign over all the things that we need to be patiently trusting that he is in control. We need to trust that God will provide. We need to trust that God will provide. We need to know, as it tells us in 2 Peter 1, verse 3, that God provides all that we need for life and for godliness, which includes the ability to be patient. So as we continue to look at our passage this morning, we'll see that James is urging his readers to also be patient with one another. God is wanting us to be patient with one another as well. James specifically says in verse 9, do not complain against one another. In other words, stop complaining and judging, he says. Stop complaining and judging your brothers and sisters in Christ. This Greek word that James uses for complain can be defined as murmuring and groaning, moaning. It's an attitude of complaining and of being impatient with one another. When things do not go the way that we want, according to our timing, we first, to be, first begin to grumble and complain on the inside, don't we, in our hearts. That's where it all starts. And then it makes its way out through our, our words and our behavior. We might complain about, about our brothers and sisters in Christ behind their backs. And then it might make its way into group emails or group texts. This type of complaining and murmuring is what the world does. Just look at Twitter or any other social media, right? But as brothers and sisters in Christ, we are called to be different. We need to be patient with one another. As the Apostle Paul says in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 2, it says, be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Bearing with one another in love. In Colossians chapter 3, verse 12, therefore as God's chosen people, we are God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved. We are to clothe ourselves with compassion and kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. We are to put on that fruit of the Spirit in our lives. That patience, 
Brothers and sisters, being impatient with one another is a form of judging another person. Earlier in James chapter 4, verses 11 and 12, which we, we skipped over and is, it fits perfectly in our passage today, James addresses and he says, Do not speak against one another, brethren. He who speaks against a brother or judges his brother speaks against the law and judges the law. But if you judge the law, you are not a doer of the law, but a judge of it. This is all connected. The whole book, keep reading that whole book over and over again. It's all connected. James weaves this stuff in and out. And James says, there is only one lawgiver and judge, the one who is able to save and to destroy. But who are you to judge your neighbor? When we complain and murmur against our brothers and sisters, we are in fact judging them. But it is the Lord who alone who is the one true judge. Jesus says in the Gospel of Matthew chapter 7, says, do not judge so that you will not be judged. For in that way that you judge, you will be judged. And by your standard of measure, it will be measured to you. Why do you look at that speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? We are all still sinners, brothers and sisters. We are all still sinners, and we need to stop judging one another and complaining towards each other. We need to stop being impatient with one another. God is not finished molding us and making us further into the image of Jesus. As we continue to look back at our passage in, uh, at verse 9, James tells us it is the judge that is standing right at the door. The judge that James is speaking about is our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. He is the one true judge. He says he is coming. He says he is coming soon. Our passage tells us that the Lord is near. And then James gives us this imagery that he is standing right there at the door. As you think about that imagery, maybe you are reminded of of the words of Jesus in Revelation chapter 3, verse 20, where he says to the church of Laodicea, he says, Behold, I, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in to him and eat with him and he with me. Jesus is, is near. He is standing at the door waiting. He is standing outside the door of your life, and he will either come in as the Lord and Savior as you repent of your sins as you put your faith and trust in Christ alone, or he will come as your judge where you will be condemned of your sin and you'll be punished forever in that real place called hell. Jesus is standing right there at the door and he wants to be your Lord and Savior. Today is the day of salvation for those who will believe. If you have not yet trusted in Christ as your Lord and Savior, then I would ask you to speak to myself Pastor Mike, one of the elders after the service, we'd be happy to talk with you. We want you to, to know Jesus as your Lord and Savior and not as your judge. As James continues here in verses 11 and 12, we see that, that we are to be patient like the prophets and Job. We are to be patient like the prophets and like Job. 
James says that as an example to believers, to brothers and sisters in Christ, as an example to God's people in the church, he reminds his readers to look at the lives of the prophets and and that of Job. And James is, is writing to, again, to these brothers and sisters in Christ who were suffering. They were being persecuted. And so James is reminding them that it was their forefathers, the prophets, who also had to have great patience in their suffering. It is these prophets of old who spoke in the name of the Lord. It is, these, it is these prophets of old who declared the truth and pointed people to the Messiah, Jesus Christ. It is these prophets of God who, who spoke in his name. When we read the prophets in the Bible, they would often say, listen to these words. This is the words of the Lord Almighty. It's Jeremiah chapter 7, verse 1, it says, this is the word that came to Jeremiah from the Lord. These were not just the prophet's words. These were God's words. It was God's prophets who represented God and spoke in his name. It was God's prophets who told the people to repent of their sins. It was God's prophets who spoke the truth. And it was God's prophets who warned the people of God's perfect justice and wrath that the judge was coming. It was God's prophets who foretold the coming of the Messiah to save the people from their sin. And yet, even though these prophets spoke the truth in the name of the Lord, many times the people did not always listen. In fact, God's words often provoked their suffering and persecution. They were patient, these prophets. They were patient through, through suffering. The prophets, as they spoke in the name of the Lord, were patient through their suffering. We may may think of the prophet Jeremiah, who was imprisoned and then thrown into a mud-filled cistern, nearly sinking to death. In the book of Hebrews, the author speaks of other prophets and other faithful men who suffered for speaking in the name of the Lord. It says that they suffered mocking and flogging being chained and imprisoned. They were stoned. They were sawn in two. They were killed with a sword. They went about in skins of sheep and goats and destitute and afflicted and mistreated, of whom the world was not worthy. They were wandering around in in deserts and mountains and in dens and caves on the earth. Jesus said in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 23, verse 37, saying, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the city that kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to it. Before that, or after that, we see Stephen in the book of Acts, chapter 7, right before they stoned him to death, saying to the people, which of the prophets did your fathers not persecute? And they killed those who announced beforehand the coming of the righteous one, Jesus, whom you have now betrayed and murdered. Looking at 2 Chronicles chapter 36, verse 16, it says, But they kept mocking the messengers of God, despising his words, and scoffing at these prophets until the wrath of the Lord rose against his people. James tells us that these prophets of God were patient through their suffering, and they were blessed. Jesus said in his Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 5, verse 11, Blessed are you 
when others revile you and persecute you and under all kinds of evil against you falsely on account of me. Rejoice and be glad, he says, for your reward is great in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. James also mentions the example of Job and his suffering and his patience and his ultimate endurance. Job suffered under the hand, suffering hand of Satan. God had allowed Job to suffer greatly by the hand of Satan. Job's, Job's wife, in response to this, she said, Job, just curse God and die. And then Job's friends, his counselors, told him that the reason that he was suffering was because of his own sin. During Job's long suffering, we see his amazing Patience and faith and trust in God. Was it perfect patience? No. The whole lot of Job, where Job sounds like he's complaining and is impatient. But in the end, he has patience and faith and trust in God. After all of Job's possessions were taken away and all of his children had died, Job tore his robe and he fell on the ground And he worshiped God, saying, Naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked shall I return. The Lord gave, and the Lord is taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. I cannot imagine doing that after losing all of my children and all that I had in my health. Job expresses his patient faith. He says later on in Job chapter 13, verse 15, though he slay me, though God slay me, he says, I will still hope in him. And then Job expresses expresses his patient faith in chapter 19, verse 25 through 27, saying, for I know that my Redeemer lives, and at the last day he will stand upon the earth. And after my skin has been thus destroyed and my flesh is gone, I shall see God, whom I shall see for myself. Job was putting his faith and trust in the Lord. Job endured in his severe suffering with his patient faith. Looking further at God's word this morning in verse 11, we see that we should be patient because, brothers and sisters, we know the outcome. We know the outcome of the Lord. We can be patient because we know the outcome of the Lord. We saw the outcome of the Lord's dealings with Job. He suffered greatly, and yet God blessed him through his patient endurance. It says in the last chapter of the book of Job, Job said to God, I know that you can do all things and that no purpose of yours can be thwarted. We just read that earlier in our passage today. Pastor Mike picked that passage before I even knew I was going to use that. And it says that the Lord restored the fortunes of Job. God gave him twice as much as he had before. Job had suffered much, losing his possessions, his children. He suffered greatly with poor health. And yet we see that the Lord blessed the latter days of Job more than his beginning. And he was given many more sheep and camels and oxen and donkeys. And then the Lord gave him seven more sons and three more daughters. You know, I'm not saying that that's going to happen to us on this earth. But as we looked at the favorable outcome of the Lord's dealing with Job, we can see the outcome of the Lord's dealings in our lives. If, if you are trusting in Jesus 
Christ alone as your Lord and Savior, then you can know and trust in God's perfect outcome for you. Jesus Christ is the one who suffered more than Job, more than anyone. He is the one who suffered more than anyone as he went to the cross at Calvary, dying for the sins of his people. In his death, he suffered and he paid the penalty for our sins. He was buried in the tomb for our sins. And yet we know the outcome. He rose from the dead on that third day, showing his victory over sin and Satan and death. And for those of you who have faith in Christ alone, we can know the outcome of our lives. That though we will suffer now, this side of glory, we can patiently look forward to that final outcome. We're able to see the outcome in the vision that was given to John in the book of Revelation chapter 21, where where he says, then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and there was no more sea. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling of God is with men. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes, and death will be no more. Neither shall there be mourning or crying or pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. And he who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. These words are trustworthy and true. Praise the Lord that we know the outcome. We're able to read the end of the book, right? We are able to know the outcome for those who have faith in Jesus as their Lord and Savior. He will come as he promised. In God's perfect patience, we are able to see that the Lord is full of compassion and that he is merciful. Thank the Lord that he is merciful to us. The Lord is full of compassion and that the Lord is merciful in the dealings with his people because of our sin. We all deserve to suffer for all eternity in hell. And yet because the Lord is full of compassion and mercy, he promises to wipe every tear from our eyes. There will be no more death. There will be no more wars. There will be no more school shootings. There will be no more fighting. There will be no more violence. No more mourning over the loss of loved ones. There will be no more sickness and sorrow. There will be no more cancer, no more COVID, no more depression, no more mental illness. God promises to make all things new again. Better than Eden. Better than anything we can possibly imagine because Being in the presence of Jesus forever and ever is all there is. And it is a day that is worth waiting for. I pray that we would be able to patiently look forward to that day, being patient with the Lord and being patient with each other. Let us pray. Father God, we come before you and thank you and praise you that you tell us one day you're coming again. You're coming soon. You tell us, Lord God, to be patient and to be patient with each other. Help us, Lord, to follow you, to trust you, to provide for everything that we need. Looking forward to that day 
when you will take away all of this sin and suffering. For it's in Jesus' precious name that we pray. Amen.